Well, good morning. It is good to see you guys. My name is Tim. I'm the pastor here. If you are new with us, welcome. Uh, We love that you've chosen to join us this morning. We're going to spend a few moments in God's Word together, and then we'll sing a little bit more together in a moment. But uh, this week, uh, I got to take my nine-year-old daughter uh, to get supplies to make this very important thing in her life right now, this very important thing called slime. Any parents in the room? Can I get an amen? Amen. Right, this, is, this is all the rage. If you're not a parent, if you're not keeping up with things, uh, kids just love making slime. Now, when I was a kid, all I knew about slime was Nickelodeon, they dump it on your head, right? But, but now kids can make slime at home, and, and this is all the rage for all my kids and all their friends. And so this week, my daughter was like, hey, I need some more supplies to make the slime. And so we went to a store called Michael's. And I went into this store called Michael's, and it didn't take long, just, you know, walking around with my daughter, looking for these supplies. It didn't take long for me to realize something, and it was this. I don't think I've ever been to Michael's in my life, like ever. I really thought about it. Like, I don't know if I've ever been to this store in my life. And the reason that dawned on me was because as I began to look around and try to navigate this store and and find these supplies, I didn't know where anything was. I didn't, I didn't know what aisle I needed to go down. I didn't know what the stuff she needed. Like, where would it be in this store? I was lost, right? And not only didn't I know where everything was, I didn't know what anything was for. Like, I would see all these little bags of beads and all these other little items and different bags. And, and I'm like, well, should we get this and put in the slime? Like, these beads, do they go in the slime? My daughter's like, Dad, no. We do not put that in slime. Like, I, I don't know what I'm doing here. And after a few minutes of doing that, I became one of those dads who, when they're shopping, and dads, you can feel me on this, you just start yawning. You're just like, in the middle of shopping, you're just like, oh, man, I just all of a sudden got tired. I don't know what's wrong with me, but we got to go. I mean, it's time to go. Like, we got stuff to do at home. Like, we got to get out of here because I, I, I was lost. I was confused. I didn't know what was going on. And as I thought about that, As I prepared for this message this Sunday, I thought, that is precisely how many of us feel when we look at Scripture, when we look at time alone with God, We open up our Bible, and we're not sure where to go. It's 66 books. Like, where where, where do I start? We're not sure what things are for. We're like, hey, there's, there's poetry in here. There's prophecy in here. There's, there's all kinds of stories that Jesus tells and the parables and like, how do we interpret all this and, and what is it for? Like, if I pick up this bag of bees, can I put it here? Like, how do I interpret this? Do, do I apply this to this part of my life? Well, what's true for the, the people in the Old Testament? What's true for us today? Like, how does it all fit together? And eventually what most of us do is maybe we read a few verses and then we close it up and we think, Oh, I just got kind of tired. I, maybe we should just go. Like, I got things to do today. Uh, I, mean, I can check it off the list. Hey, I, I, I read it, Tim. Like, what else do you want from me? I read the Bible, and we move on about our day. And what I can tell you is that God has more for you in Scripture and time alone with him than that. I, it's not meant to be like your experience or my experience at Michael's. It's meant to be a profound, life-changing experience daily. When you enter into time with God, when you talk to God in prayer, when you listen to his voice, when you look at his words, it's not meant to be a confusing, lost, 
time where you get frustrated and then move about your day. It's meant to be a, a transformative time. And as we're in this series, we're in part two of this series, how people change. I talked about even before this series, my prayer for you this year, 2019, like what does your pastor pray for you? It's change, it's transformation in the spirit of God by his grace in your life. And that's the goal with scripture. That's the goal with time alone with God. And so as we talk about that specific topic this morning, and how it leads to change, I want us to answer a couple questions. And the first one is this, why is this step so crucial for our lives? Why is scripture so important? Why, why is it important that you don't just go to it, check it off a list, and then move about your day? Why is it important that this affects and informs everything about our lives? Why is it so important? Why do we tell you every Sunday, grab a Bible, Get God's word in front of you. The power is not in my word. It's in the word of God. Why do we make such a big deal about that? Why is spending time, intimate time with our creator, why is that such a big deal? Because you have to know the why before you know the what. So we're going to talk about that. And then we're going to talk about the what. Towards the end, we're going to get really practical. How do we live this out? How do we come to God's word and come to time with him and feel equipped and it change our lives? So that's where we're headed. Psalm 1, we just read it. That's where we're going to be. So if you didn't grab a Bible, that didn't convince you, do it now. Grab a Bible. Psalm chapter 1, middle of your Bible, if you're new to it, the first word that you see in verse 1 is this word, blessed. Now, this word blessed literally means happy. It means contentment. It means full, that you are blessed. And we have to pause there, I think, because if I had to guess, a lot of you right now, as we talk about the Word of God, spending time in the Word of God with the presence of God, many of you, the first feeling, the first emotion that comes to you is not happy, right? As you think about time alone with God and reading Scripture, for many of us, our first feeling, our first, first emotion is guilt, right? Some of you are thinking it right now. Like, yeah, I know I don't spend enough time reading God's word. I know I need to spend more time with him. I mean, actually, Pastor, if I'm honest, it's been a few weeks, even months, since I've cracked this book, not on a Sunday, since I've, I've talked to God in prayer. And, and many of us, our first feeling is not happiness, a, a blessing related to God's word and time alone with him. It's guilt. It's, it's shame. Now, we see blessed as is the man who walks, not in the council. And we're going to see all these things. And, and we see a little bit later, blessed is the man who delights in the law of God. And so many of us, we, we feel some guilt and shame around time with God and time in his word. But that's not the way God designed it. That just in this passage, we see blessed, happy, content, delight. We see that kind of language around spending time with God. And if I were to poll everyone in this room, hey, what do you want for 2019? I mean, it would be a lot of different things. But one singular thing that would be common amongst all of us is we'd be okay with some happiness, right? Are we be, some contentness in life, some fullness in life. Like whatever you're seeking after in 2019, that would be good with me. Like, I want to be happy, and that, that is a good thing. And what I want you to see is that God cares more about your happiness than you do. But he has a path for you to get there, right? So today is not about guilt and shame. Today is not about washing you over with that. Today is about washing you over with the happiness that God intends for you, but it's going to be in, in his way. 
And he gives us that way as we continue. First, he says, it's not going to happen if you do these certain things. It's not going to happen. You're not going to be a blessed person, a happy person, if you walk in the counsel of the wicked, if you stand in the way of sinners, if you sit in the seat of scoffers. That there's a, a path that he's describing. You see it. There's a way that you walk in. There's a path that you're going down. We said it last week that we're all changing. The question is not, like, are people changing? The question is, how are you changing? The question is not, are you walking down a path? The question is, what path are you walking down? You see, the reality is every single person in this room, every day of your life, you are making little decisions that affect your destiny. You are taking small steps that are forming your character. The dis discipline becomes a, a habit, and habit begins to shape your character. And, and all of you do this. All of you have things that you think about that affect what you care about. And then as you care about them, they affect what you chase. And so we're all walking down a path. What path is it? Is it being shaped by wickedness, by, by sin? Or is it being shaped by something else? You see, every time you talk to yourself and you do that, when you wake up in the morning, that first thought you have that you're talking to yourself, right? It's not just for crazy people. You talk to yourself, right? You're filling your mind with thoughts, right? And that thinking, that way of thinking affects your living. Every time you pass by a billboard and you read that billboard and you, you begin to absorb those, those thoughts, Every time you talk to your family, every time you complain about something, every time you listen to music, every time you watch TV, every time you read something, every time you go to work, it's shaping you, and it's shaping a path. And you may think, well, Tim, those are just little things, like here and there. Yeah, little decisions, little steps shape your, your destiny. It shapes your character. And so we want to ask, okay, it's not to be shaped by wickedness, sin, insecurity, our own flesh, what is it to be shaped by? And he tells us, but, there's a transition, verse 2, look at the verse, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on this law, he meditates day and night. So he talks about the law of the Lord. And so first we have to ask, what is the law of the Lord? I talked about the Bible. Sometimes it can be confusing. Lots of different parts of Scripture, different poetry, prophecy, stories, all kinds of things in here. As the original reader would have read this, and they read Law of the Lord, they would have thought about like what some of you think about, which is the law, the Ten Commandments. But they wouldn't have just thought about the Ten Commandments. They would have thought about the 613 commandments that are in the Old Testament. And they wouldn't have just thought about those specific commandments, but they would have thought about the first five books of the Bible that they would have called the Pentateuch. That was their Bible. As the original reading Psalms, Old Testament, as they heard law, they're thinking about the first five books of the Bible. That was what they had. Now, you and I are blessed to live in a day. We don't just have five books. We have 66 books written by 40-plus authors over 1,500 years, over three continents, revealing to us the character and nature of God, revealing to us the person and work of God. And we read that, and we get this book, and we're gifted this book to reveal who God is and then follow after God. And so as we read Law of the Lord, that's what we're talking about. And as you read the Psalms, just the Psalms, one of the most consistent things you see the Law of the Lord described as, as it's true. The law of the Lord is true. Psalm 19 is a great, great chapter 
of our Bible where it talks about the law of the Lord is true. Psalm 119 talks about that as well. It's, it's true. And when you read that, you'd be like, okay, yeah, Tim, it's not false. Like when I read a verse of scripture, like it's not false, it's, it's true. Like, but it's really more than that. When we see the law of the Lord is true, it's not just that there's propositional truths that you can read and examine and be like, is that true? Okay, yeah, I guess I can get behind that. That's true. It's that the whole of Scripture, the structure of Scripture is true. That there's a rhythm to God's word that fits in our world. Let me explain what I mean. I'm going through a a reading plan to read the Bible in a year. Never really done that before, but you you start in Genesis, and, and I'm going through creation, and I'm seeing the detail to which that God created our world. And I would encourage you to do that. It talks about how there's just a void and there's, the spirit is hovering over the waters, but then day by day, God begins to create and design. And there's all this water, and in the midst of that water, he creates land to separate some of the water. And as he begins to create land to separate some of the water, he begins to fill that land with vegetation, and he makes the sun rise and set to grow that vegetation, and then he begins to create animals, and then he begins to create man and woman, and it's this beautiful, detailed design, right? Uh, this week, I was uh, at the aquarium in Scottsdale with my kids and my wife. If you've never been to that aquarium, it's amazing, Odyssey Aquarium. It's so big and vast, and we were watching this movie about humpback whales, and they were showing us the humpback whales just jumping in and out of the water. It was this amazing thing. And they were talking about the noises that humpback whales make. And they were saying, like, you know, at one point we thought these noises and these sort of songs were like mating calls. But then marine biologists look a little further into it, and they're like, these sort of noises and songs made by the male humpback whale, like, the, the female doesn't even listen to that. Like, they, ain't, they don't care. Like, they're making all these noises. They don't even care about it. And, like, that's not what it's for. And they're trying to get to the nitty-gritty of, like, what, why are these humpback whales singing? Like, what's the purpose? What's the meaning of these songs? And they began to realize, we don't know, that we think they just like to sing. Now, can you just, I, I know just, you know, all of us are just comfortable with God's creation. And we just live in it every day. Just wrap your mind around that. Humpback whale, size of a school bus in the ocean, is, is making noises that kind of sounds like a song just because. That happened by accident? That just work itself out? No, there was an intelligent designer of that. Amen? I mean, that is beautiful. As I was watching that, I was just like, I need to study marine biology. Like, what am I doing with my life being a pastor? Like, this is fascinating. Right? And there's so many things like that. We could go through a whole seminar, nine weeks, a year, spend the rest of our lives studying God's incredible design. Now, I want you to think about that same God who made the humpback whale sing, who made everything the way it is today. He also made his word. The same God who designed the world designed his word. The creator of everything said, hey, I'm going to create everything. You're going to operate. I'm going to create you, your heart, your mind, your feelings, the way you operate in the midst of this vast universe. And I'm going to create my word to give it to you as a story to reveal myself to you so that you can walk in it, so you can walk in this world and the amazing parts of it, like humpback whale singing and also the difficult 
parts of it as well. That the God who created the world also created the word. And that's why the psalmist says, you should delight in this. I know, again, I know there's some guilt, some shame associated with spending time with God, with with looking at God's word, but it should be a delight as you consider that God is so gracious and good and loving that he would create this vast universe and then create his word and reveal himself to us. In the midst of that, that should bring about some excitement, some delight, that when we tell you open God's word, that when we encourage you read it during the week, that there should be a sense of like, we get to do this. We don't have to. It's not this begrudging submission, like oh, I have to, like I see my Bible on the shelf, I gotta open it. Like somehow I gotta do this. No, it's a delight. It's a blessing that happy is someone who looks to God's word. There should be some excitement. And I, and I think for some of us, our delight is too small. That our delight, our biggest delight in a week is that new series on Netflix. What's coming out next? If, if you're younger, our delight is that, that next stage in Fortnite. Right? That, that social media app that we're going to check. Our biggest delight for that day is how many likes I got. And you, you have the God of the universe who has created everything around you and given you his very word. And our biggest delight is on a TV show. I watch TV. I'm not against TV. But listen, we should get excited about some other things. We should get some delight of looking at God's word. That's the way the Bible talks about it. It's not guilt. It's not shame. It's blessing. It's delight. It's amazing. And that's why it's worth meditating on. That's what he says next. On his law, he meditates day and night. That word meditate is the word murmur. That you need to think about a song that gets stuck in your head and is just repeating itself in your head. You're, you're meditating it day and night. So that means you memorize what's in this book. That means you think about it. You don't just read it, get confused, get frustrated, close it, and move on with your day. No, you, you, you soak yourself in it. You saturate your mind with thoughts of God. And to do that, you need to be silent. You need to find some solitude. You need to remove yourself from distractions. And that is hard. Like, it's, it's hard in general. It's always been hard. But it's especially hard in our culture. Like, think about this. We've talked about this before in other series. But just 10 years ago, what did you do at a stoplight? Nothing. <laughs> Not a true question. You sat at the stoplight. Right, Ten years ago, what did you do in the bathroom? Nothing. You just sat alone with your thoughts. There wasn't anything to do. Now what do you do at a stoplight? Phone, music, distractions. Oh, I, I got to do that. You put that task in your to-do list. I know you do this at stoplights. Come on now. In the bathroom, what are you doing? I, phone, that's this my time. Like, you're filling your mind all the time with distraction. Listen, again, there's no guilt and shame for you. This is the culture in which we live. This is what is normal for us today. 
but you need to recognize it because you need to know it is challenging. What this is calling you to do, meditate day and night. Have a murmur in your head. The thoughts of God be in your mind, silence, solitude. You are going against the grain in our culture if you do that. You're going to have to fight against the grain. I have to do this in my own life, not just because of our culture. I'm a verbal processor. Like, I need to talk. Like, I got to get it out. My wife knows this better than anyway. God bless her soul. Like, throughout the week, as I'm thinking about this sermon, and I, and I write it all out, and I manuscript my sermons, and that's helpful, but at some point, I got to talk it out. I got to get, get around somebody. My wife knows me really well, and so I'm like, hey, what do you think about this? Let me explain this to you. Like, option A for this point, option B, and she's, like, doing the dishes, like, geez, again, like, you preach every week. Like, <laughs> no, she's very kind and gracious, if you know my wife. She helps me. She's very great. But I'm a verbal processor. And look, that's a good thing. It's good to talk. It's good to listen to things. It's good to have things in your life that, that, are, that are loud and, and for you to be speaking. It's good. But you also need to have times of silence and solitude. I also need to train my mind, even though my personality is more of a verbal processor, I don't need to just go to my wife and talk it out. Sometimes I realize, like, talking a lot about this with my wife or somebody else, have I talked to God about this? Have I listened to God about this? Have I just moved from thing to thing to thing and like, well, i got to process this. Like, did you pray about this? Did you sit after you said a bunch of things to God and try to hear from him? God, what are you saying to me? And a lot of times I'm like, no. And what this is challenging us to do is, hey, fight against sometimes your personality, our culture, Get alone with God. Spend time with him. He's faithful. Scripture does not return void. When you fight against that and you grab hold of that moment of silence, of time in his word, of meditating on it, God will bring about fruitfulness in, in your life. That's the way he set it up. And that's the next thing we see is that this brings about something. This produces something. We see that in verse 3. Look at the verse. It says, this person who, who lives this way, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. That delighting in, that meditating on God's word, it produces a fruitfulness. It produces an endurance. It's, it's like a tree that yields fruit. It, it's like a leaf that does not wither that it produces fruitfulness, that your time with God always produces something, that what gets absorbed, this tree, is planted by streams of water, right? Just picture that, a tree, it's getting absorbed daily by water. Just like you, in the word of God, saturating your mind with thoughts of God, spending time alone with God, you're like a tree that's planted by water. And that when you don't get this time with God, when you don't get in his word, that you are in that other path where you're allowing all these other things to inform and affect your life that aren't of God, and you're like a tree who's way far away from water. And what happens with that tree? It dies. It doesn't produce fruit. Its leaf does wither. And what this is saying is that if you will meditate on the word of God, delight in the word of God, that you are absorbing life for your soul, that it will shape your behavior, it will shape your, your character like a tree planted by water. You will produce fruit. I think about Martin Luther King. 
who we're celebrating tomorrow, remembering tomorrow. And many people know about all the great things he did and all the ways he expressed things and all the social justice and, and all the civil rights movement and all the equality. And they, they know about all the things he did. And many people don't know that this man who changed the world, Martin Luther King, was first a man of the word. That, that all the things he did were being informed and affected by God's word. Was he a perfect man? I'm not saying that. But at his core, he was delighting in meditating on God's word, that, that a man, a woman, who's in the word of God will change the world for God. Your world, your, your office space, your family, your neighborhood, you get in God's word, you start absorbing God's word, it's gonna get expressed. It's gonna bear fruit because it doesn't return void. Because the God who created everything and designed everything and also designed his word for you to operate in rhythm with it it's going to produce fruit that unlike other things in life, this investment will always produce fruit, even sometimes when you think it's not. I mentioned this. I'm going through this Read the Bible in a Year program on my Bible app, Version Bible app. I would encourage you to, to do something similar. It's really good. I have one that's not just chronological, uh, but it takes Old Testament, New Testament. Every day I get to read some of the Old Testament, some of the New Testament. Every other day I think I get to read a psalm, and I'll read the Bible in a year. And so I would encourage that for you as well. Some of us, we've tried to read the Bible in a year, and we get stuck in Leviticus, right, or Numbers. We're like, I don't know. I'm in Michael's. Like, where do I get things? I don't know. I'm just going to close that up and move along with my day. And so I love this one, and there's all sorts of creative things like that that you can use to saturate your heart and mind with God's word. And what I would tell you is that every time you do that, it produces fruit, right? There, there are days, and I know this is going to be hard for you to believe because I'm a pastor. There are days when I read scripture, and I walk away, and I'm like, what did I learn from that? I don't really know. My wife asked me, like, hey, what would you read today? I'm like, I read this chapter. I was talking about this, but... She's like, well, what do, you, what do you think the takeaway is from that? I'm like, I don't know. Like, what's with the quizzing? Like, let's not do this right now. <laughs> right? What's all the pressure? Like, I'm not in grade school. Like, this is all. And, and here's the reality. There's always one nugget. There's always one word. Like, like he who began a good work in me will, will complete it. I don't know if I could remember everything I read, and not even, maybe that, not, not that one particular day, but later in the week, I'm going to talk to somebody who's wondering, like, is God in my life? He doesn't seem to be. I got these hardships. I got these struggles. And, 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 and in that moment, I'm going to think back to, I think what God began in you, he's going to complete it. And you've had those moments, I know we're not in vocational ministry here, you don't have to be, but you've had those moments where something in scripture that you read and meditated on, it comes out of you, it springs forth, and you don't even know where it came from, and if, but if you were to trace it, you're like, I heard that, even audibly, you listened to a Bible app, I heard that, it, it saturated my mind, and now it's producing fruit, and it always does that. J.C. Ryle, a theologian, said this. He said, no one ever said at the end of his days, I have read my Bible too much. I have thought of God too much. I have prayed too much. Have you ever heard that testimony? Lying on your deathbed, you know the one thing I regret? Too much time with God. 
I mean, if I could just go back, I would go do some more things and, and, and achieve some more things and be driven in my job more and make a little bit more money. But that time with God, like, man, if I could get that time back. It's a testimony you never hear, right? Why? Because it's always worth it. Because there will always, always be some fruit in your life and in the lives of others. That's the way God set it up. It not only produces fruitfulness, it does produce endurance, that you keep going when others give up. Uh, this week, I had to go to a funeral, and I say I had to because I didn't want to go. And it was a funeral of a student at this school across the street, Phoenix Christian School, who, who we partner with to have this building. It was a high school student, senior in that high school who died. And in that whole service, we're celebrating his life, but you just get this like, hey, we, none of us should be here right now. In fact, somebody said that. A uh, guy who's part of our church, who's an assistant principal at that school, just got up and said, I shouldn't be here right now. I should be at school telling Dante to get to class, to tuck in his shirt, right, to do his homework. And I don't think I should be here right now, but we are, and we're grieving his life, but we're also celebrating it. And he acknowledged what everybody in that room was thinking. It's a tragedy, right? And you had a full room of people, all walks of life, who were wrestling with this. And at one point, the, the preacher who was doing the service talked about the time with God, that the word of God that is all we have to hang on to in this moment. That is what will allow us to be a leaf that doesn't wither in this moment. But there's lots of reasons to wither in that moment. Right? Even if you didn't know the kid, you're just looking on the outset and you're like, man, this, this shouldn't happen. Like, that's so sad. Like, what's the point of life? Is What's God doing with all this? And, and as you begin to fill up your mind with those insecurities and those doubts, and as you go talk to somebody who's not a Christian, and they're like, yeah, that's exactly why I don't believe in God, and you just continue to feed that doubt, you won't endure. But if even in those tough moments, you go to God's word, and you remind yourself, God is with us. God is for us. God loves us. And God is infinite, and I'm finite, and I may not understand this specific situation, but he's going to get me through. Anybody ever been there? That's a truth that allows you to endure. When everything else is telling you to give up, God's word and spending time alone with God will tell you to keep going, even in the darkest times. But how do we know that? We look at the life of Jesus. Jesus got alone with God. Jesus was God in the flesh, all-powerful. And Jesus got alone with God, the Father. He did specifically on his, right before his darkest hour. He's about to go to the cross, and what does Jesus do? He gets alone with God, and he spends time with God. Not to escape, but to be equipped. Jesus did that. We need to do that. That is how we produce fruit. That is how we endure. And some of you were here last week, and some of you remember the sermon, right? And you remember, we talked about community and being with people. And now we're talking about being by ourselves. And some of you are like, okay, be with people, be with people, now be by myself. Like, Tim, which one do you want me to do? I'm confused. Again, look at the life of Jesus. He did both. 
he had a fruitfulness and an endurance in the good times and the dark times because he did both. I read this week, some scholars have estimated that Jesus spent 90% of his time with people. As they read through it all and all the events and, and all the times Jesus had people sitting around him, all the time he was walking with people, teaching with people, that Jesus spent 90% of his time with people. What did he do for the other 10% of the time? He got alone with God. It says he went to a desolate place to pray. He got alone with God. Why? To escape his problems? No, to be equipped, to be sent back out to be with people. So what do we do? To be fruitful, to endure, be with people, be in community. Everything we talked about last Sunday is true. But when you get alone, don't get alone to escape and binge Netflix and think that's going to solve your problems. Like, what are you doing this weekend? I don't know, just Netflix and this series and just I'm going to get some rest and be rejuvenated for the week. No, you won't. <laughs> no, you won't. Don't just get alone to escape. That doesn't produce fruitfulness and endurance. Get alone to be equipped. There's a difference. We see that modeled for us in the life of Jesus, and that's what produces fruitfulness. That is what produces endurance. That what you focus on is what you're going to move toward. That what you fill your mind with is going to be how you live it out. That's the way it works. That's how God designed you, and he's meant for you to meditate on the word of God, just like a tree who's planted by water, that you will experience fruitfulness, that you will experience endurance on the best day, on the darkest day. The last thing, verse 4, look at that verse with me. It contrasts this, this blessed person, this person who's delighting, this righteous person with this person who is wicked. It says, verse 4, the wicked are not so, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. That word chaff is describing the husk around a grain. So you got a tree planted by water, fruitful, enduring. The contrast is chaff. The husk around the grain that gets blown away in the wind has no life in it. It's dead. And I know as some of us think about that and we think about, okay, Tim, to be like the tree, i got to spend time in God's word. To be like the tree, I've got to do what it says and saturate myself in the thoughts of God and go down this path, delighting in God's word. To be like that, I've got to do this. And then the wicked, I mean, is that the only two options? I mean, I don't really read my Bible all the time. I don't have a yearly Bible reading plan going on right now. I can't remember the last time I cracked open this book. I don't do it consistently. But I'm not wicked. Like, Tim, I'm not killing people. I mean, I'm, I may not be the tree, but I'm not like this just this husk of a grain that just blows away, right? And so we go back to the beginning. Everybody's on a path. Every little decision leads to a destiny. Every little step produces change in your life. And so yet, you're not killing anybody. Maybe you're not wicked yet, but, but what is influencing your life? If it's not scripture, if it's not God who wired you and wired the whole universe, if it's not that, what is it? Because you're going down another path. Is it the thoughts you tell yourself every morning? Is it your spouse who's not a believer and the thoughts they give you about yourself every day? Is it the spouse who is a believer that you thought is going to be your savior and you replaced Jesus with your spouse, a sinful person who could never meet that need for you? Is that what ultimately fills your mind and your heart and affects your living? And that's going to shape you. You're going to be walking down a path. Is it that sin that you return to that feels good in the moment but hurts you in the end? 
and you just allow that blind spot to continue, and you don't allow community in your life to speak truth into your life, and you just let your go, you're going down a path. And you have to intentionally go to God's word to be shaped by it. You have to intentionally spend time talking with God, discipline yourself. It becomes a habit, then it becomes part of your character. Or else you are walking down a path of wickedness. And God doesn't want that for you. So how do we, how do, we do this? Maybe some of you are like, okay, yeah, Tim, I want to be the blessed man. If I got a choice, which path? Like I want to go down the blessed, the lighting path in God's word. How do we do that? Uh, the first thing I would say is this. If you're taking notes, you should write these down. You need to get around a community, to piggyback off last week, that, that desires the word of God, that stirs up your desire for the word of God. Listen, some of you are new today, and we're so glad that you are here. If you do not end up in Phoenix Bible Church, you need to go to another church that preaches the word of God, that stirs your heart. When you're here on an hour on a Sunday, listen, just as a preacher, you should know, I don't have much control in this time. I get an hour with you for the whole week, and I get to plead with you and yell at you and speak softly to you and pray for you but I get an hour. See, my goal is not just to have a huge dramatic event that changes your life in this moment. God can do that. Pray that happens. But my ultimate goal for you is that you would get a taste of the word of God, of the people of God, of the presence of God, that you leave here and you're like, I want more of that. That's why we invite you to open your Bible. You get a taste. I know, I know we're like this book, Philippians, Colossians, like you start to get a taste. And you leave here and you're not like, okay, next Sunday, same time, same channel. No, you leave here and you're like, I want to read more about that. I want to dig it. What was that Bible app you mentioned? Like, I want to dig it. Maybe I need to read this with my spouse, my friends. Maybe I need to get in a community group. It is complicated. And I need to flesh out more of what this looks in my life. That's the goal of what we do in here every single Sunday is to give you a taste that gets worked out when you leave this place. If you're not going to come to this church, you need to go to church like that, a church that gives you a taste. Sometimes people will tell me, typically visitors who come in from out of town will tell me, I mean, I love your preaching. I mean, you preach directly out of God's word. And I, honestly, I know what they're trying to say, but I listen to that and I'm like, and I even say it sometimes, what else would I do? <laughs> Is there another option? There's something else I can preach? That's all I got. So, Phoenix Bible Church, hence the name, we're going to preach the Bible, right? But if it's not here, you need to go somewhere. You need to end up in a community somewhere where they stir you to get in God's word, where you leave that place with a taste and you want more of that. You need to find a church that does that for you. That's the first thing. The second thing is understanding yourself. Pick something to go through. Two key things. Understanding yourself, pick something. You need to understand yourself, right? Some of you are big readers, and you're like, man, I just love cracking open a good book, getting my coffee, and I just go to town on that thing. And some of you are not. Some of you have intense focus in all of life. Like, you can just sit for hours on one thing, and some of you are ADD, right? And you're just like, oh, bird. Oh, what was that? Oh, I need to put that in my calendar. Like, know yourself, right? And don't condemn yourself, but pick something that fits you. And so maybe for some of you, you've never read the Bible, right? Maybe you don't need to start with the Bible in a year. 
and get lost in Leviticus. Maybe you need to get the YouVersion Bible app. It has an audible Bible. And in your car, instead of listening to the music you listen to or the podcast or your own thoughts in your head, flip that on and listen to it. And you start there. You understand yourself and pick something. You pick something. You do something, right? You don't just think, well, one day when the stars align, and I do get my cup of coffee, and the kids are quiet and playing by themselves so well and not causing any problems, and I have everything else done, and all my work's done, and all the tasks at home are done, and then I will sit outside, and the sun will be setting in Phoenix, and I'll have my drink of choice, and then I will read God's word. No. Pick something. Start somewhere. Get it on an app and listen to it. Right? Fine, maybe for you, you're like, I do read a lot. I need some next step. Okay, get a commentary and read that with it. Hey, get a journal and write down. Know yourself and pick something and start spending time in God's word. I think one of the biggest lies Satan and our flesh tell us is, man, you got to do it all or it's nothing. And that's not true. It's a path. It's step-by-step decisions Shape a destiny. That morning where you wake up and you think, I could do this or I could spend time in God's word. And you do this instead of spending time in God's word, you're going down a path. And you know because later in the day you're like, why am I frustrated? Why am I tired? Why am I discouraged? That little decision earlier that morning could go one of two ways. And what if you just said, I'm going to start something. And if I miss my time in the word, that 45 minutes at home with my Bible and cup of coffee, I'm going to throw it on in the car, and listen to it that way. In my lunch break, instead of going with the guys or the girls, I'm going to throw something on. I'm going to get that time. Little decisions shape a destiny. Start somewhere. The third thing is set a time and a place. I, I don't know if it works like this for you, but for me, I can tell you, this does not happen naturally. Meditating on the, on the perfect law of God day and night doesn't just happen, Right? Last week, we talked about this as well. It's just like working out, eating a healthy diet. A lot of you are trying to do that. 2019, it's on your resolution list. Does that just happen naturally? You just stumble into a six-pack. No, right? Not unless you're just like 18 with good genes and high metabolism. It doesn't just happen. How do you get healthy? It doesn't just happen, right? If you, if you go at it, listen, and we all know this, if you go at it like that, well, maybe it's just somehow how I'll get in shape, start eating right, it'll just happen. What are you doing like Wednesday of that week? Taco Bell, because you ain't got time, you didn't meal plan, you, you ain't got time for that. You just get some fast food, go home. What do you do? You sit home, you, I, I don't feel like working out now. And that, that's what naturally happens. No, your physical health being changed and transformed in a positive way, you set a time, you set a place. Time alone with God is the exact same thing. So for me, I have a chair. It's in my office. Right now, it's, you know, below 70 degrees in Phoenix. And so I have a heater next to that chair. And I know when I, and and it's a heater with like the fire on it. And it seems like a fire in my brain. And and my brain likes that. And so I, I go to the chair and I go to the heater and I do grab my cup of coffee. And I know there's a time in a place where I'm going to get in God's word. And it's not just going to magically happen, right? 
And then there's sometimes I miss that time and place, but, the, but it's a part of my routine. And when I don't get that, I get it in other ways. I do throw on the Bible app. I do listen to it audibly. I do pray in a moment during my day or in a, in a time in my car, right? Set a time and a place. Do you have that? Or is it just like an ambiguous, yeah, I need to read the Bible more? No, set a time. Set a place. The last thing is prayerfully determined to keep going. I know life is crazy. I know your schedule is crazy. I know some of you are thinking, Tim, you talk about finding some moments like, I'm busy, I'm important, if you didn't know. Like, my schedule is crazy. I have lots of kids. I have a crazy job. I work 60 to 70 hours a week. Like, Tim, it's not just an excuse. I'm, I'm living at a crazy pace, and I don't see how to get out of it. And listen, just practical tip. Take this one home for free. There's a quiet room that everybody in this room spends about 10 minutes at least per day. You tracking with me? It's part of your biology, right? Part of the way God designed you. It's called the bathroom. Some of you just picked up on that. There's There's a time where you're in a quiet room, silent solitude. You have to be there for all of us. Redeem that time. You're thinking, I'm so busy, Tim, I can't fill my schedule with anything else. You at least got that time, right? All of us have time to keep going, to push through obstacles, to spend time with God. Last thing is, God loves you. We started talking about this. God wants your your blessing. God wants your contentment, your happiness. God cares more about that than you do. I know that's hard for you to believe, but he does. And this is his design for you to get it. And so, Ultimately, as we talk about setting a time and a routine and all these different things you can read through, find a devotional book, commentary, listen to it, whatever you got to do, talk to God. All of that is about creating some margin and some space in your life so you can realize that God loves you. That God, we're going to sing a song in a moment, nothing but the blood. That Jesus Christ came, that he died for all the times that you haven't gotten his word for all the times that you've neglected it, for all the times you have walked down that other path of wickedness, that Jesus Christ, he came, he died for that, he paid your debt, he freed you up from that, he rose again in victory over Satan, sin, death, and the grave so you could be freed up to know him and make him known, so you could be freed up to approach him and know he's a God of grace, amen? That's the opportunity when you spend time with God is to all those other voices that tell you that's not true and you've done too much and you've gone too far and you're not worthy to look in this book and do what it says. Like, I won't do it, Tim. I'm going to screw it up. That all those times and all those voices, that you get alone with God who loves you, who sent his son to die for you and rise again for you. You get alone with God and you're reminded he gave his life for me that nothing but the blood of Jesus will make me righteous, that he is pleased with me in Jesus, completely satisfied with you because you're in Christ. That's the whole point of this time, is to get alone and remember that amazing truth. We're going to sing about that amazing truth. Let me pray. God, I thank you for that truth that you sent Jesus to die for us, to rise again for us, to enable us to learn about you and to live like you, that we don't have to grit our teeth and earn this. It will cost and require some effort, but it's not about earning. 
God, I pray that, that we would leave here with a, a blessing, a delight in the God who created us and the God who created his word. And we would begin to spend time with you because how amazing is it that you let us, that right now you hear this prayer. It's not symbolic. It's not going through the motions that, that right now, because of the, the sacrifice Jesus made on the cross, you meet with us. You illuminate your truth to us. And that every man and woman in this room, if they'll place their faith in you, you give them that opportunity. It's because of the sacrifice Jesus made on the cross. So God, I pray even now, we have a few minutes left in church to remember that, think about that, sing about that. You would illumine your truth to us now. That as we sing to you and talk to you, that you would change us by your word, through your spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And everybody said, amen.